a radio show that confesses Christ without confusing the law and the gospel. A radio show that takes Scripture seriously without taking ourselves so seriously. You're listening to Table Talk Radio. I, I like how he ran in the room thinking that you accidentally articulated baptism incorrectly. Like, wait a minute, you're mistaken. He said to me, he said, you sound like a heretic. Right, yeah. It wasn't like, boy, they must be playing a game where they're articulating someone else's belief. It was, I think Pastor Wolfmiller is off his rocker. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm a little bit disturbed that you think that I would actually teach that about baptism, Pastor And it's so, 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 so deserved to be crunched. I mean, mega crunch. <laughs> so, uh, if you guys would put mega the mega crunch. crunch on the song, that would be awesome. <laughs> Keep uh, preaching the word, pastors. Keep it mediocre. Mediocre and hilarious. Because there is no vaccine for mediocrity, this is Table Talk Radio. What are you doing over there, Pastor? Wake up. <laughs> Hey, that's a that's you're hitting a sore spot. Oh, you know this whole vaccine business. Yeah, I don't know if you. I, that's probably an accident. I know you didn't mean to. That's true. Uh, but you know, people are pretty worked up about this whole vaccine thing. Yeah, I know. Uh, the news. It is. I was going to do a joke about a virus, but most people wouldn't get it. <laughs> You're killing me. <laughs> yeah, see the see what I did there. I did. We should exp- remember when we used to explain all your our jokes? jokes are only your <laughs> jokes are only point zero one percent fatal. <laughs> I and I'm not sure what's more fatal, your jokes or my explanation of the jokes. <laughs> but I think we should require an explanation to every joke. I think so. That used to be the rule around here. <laughs> You used to have the the school of hilarity oh, where boy. every joke is explained. Yeah, what happened to that? We had to, like Trump University; it got shut down. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, we, what's it, the plan today? We got to do some stuff. Oh yeah, we're gonna do some Ten Commandments in the news. We're going to do a little right. Bible Bee. What do you got? What are you thinking about with Bible Bee? Enlightenment, because I gotta do a little show prep for. Um, in a couple of weeks, October 1st and 2nd, we're doing a little conference here at St. Paul, Campus Ministry slash Young Adult Conference, ages 18 to 35. Are you 35 yet? I think so. And then we can, you can't come. And I'm going to talk about cultural wokeness versus biblical enlightenment. So we have an enlightenment-themed Bible bee for you today. You can try to find out where these verses about enlightenment are in the Bible. That'll be fun. I happen to identify as someone who's 32. <laughs> I don't know how that you could be discriminating about that, you know? against people who've just been about, around the earth the more times That's than right. you. Or being around the what, sun. What age do you do you think you are? What age do you feel? Inside, I feel like a five-year-old. Well, you know, it's something, you know what all the old people say. The old people say, I... I feel just the same as I did when I was 20. <laughs> it's the old people are probably what got us into this whole transgender business. <laughs> That's because right. They it's said, their fault. <laughs> it's, they, they always said, look, it's not, it's not what's on the outside, but what's on the inside that matters. And we should have said to those old people, hey, here's That's a mirror, Gnosticism, but... yeah. old lady. Here's a mirror, buddy. <laughs> here's a mirror. <laughs> 
You That's might feel terrible. like you're 45, but your broken hip begs to differ. <laughs> That's terrible. That's terrible. <laughs> I never, I never knew it was the old people who got us into this. But you know, a lot of these problems have been hanging around for a long time. Like I was reading this book called uh now we're into content already we haven't even done the buzzwords the rise and triumph of the modern self remember how like a year ago i was reading that book yeah i i that's on my list i don't know if i'll get to it but it's on my list i'm still reading that book it's quoting guys like shelley and wordsworth and all these uh 120 100 200 year old poets who were doing all this woke nonsense already hmm. But it all goes back to the Garden of Eden. It's not like there's anything new under the sun, and we should know that. It's all just Gnosticism repackaged. Gnosticism 52.0. The devil Same is lazy. Words. He's lazy. <laughs> I'll just recycle this one again. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um, but, but, you know, there's, I don't know. Um, I mean, we think about just a few decades as uh, as a where we've where we've come from where we've been where we're going and um it, i mean if you just go back 20 years okay so we we just had the 20th anniversary of 911 so if you could think That's of amazing. think about what life was like and i'm and i'm speaking here on a kind of a social level the uh the the things that we debated in the public square this kind of thing 20 years ago uh, i think we we were still you know we were I think conversations were taking place about uh, same-sex marriage and things like that, but it was not. It was not on every single day's headlines as it is. Well, that topic isn't anymore. I mean, that's that's yesterday, but mm -hmm. but old uh, news, right? I mean, so twenty years. Twenty years is not now we that got much to have time. The, you know, the, the thing that happened just recently is um, Buttigieg. Remember that guy? Yeah. The Secretary of Transportation now, he had a now he had a baby. It's a miracle, and uh, that was on the newspaper. Now that's the, the I find it interesting. Maybe we'll do that for ten commandments. The scriptures will talk about the virgin birth, and people will say, "Psh, can't happen." <laughs> then they're like, "Hey, these two dudes had a baby." You're like, what? Well, who who are you to say two dudes can't have a baby? <laughs> Right. How dare Who you, you even say the word dude anymore? <laughs> That's the thing that I'm can't figure out. It's so disorienting. It is. It is. But uh, uh, but, but I wonder if okay. if the thing that hasn't accelerated the what's the word degradation uh, isn't the technology and in particular social media. I mean, social media is the platform to create movements, and you know you know how movements go. You know the movement. It's always anti-institutional. Oh, yeah. The movement. Uh, I mean, yeah, if you take I'm, away, I'm if you take away social media and maybe by extension, electronic communication, you just do not have the momentum to create this movements. Then you can without it, or you can with it. Well, I mean, we there was the French Revolution before Facebook. Well, it's not like it can't I mean, happen. I'm just, I'm just saying that in 20 years we've gone from. It is accelerated. Yeah. It's. I mean, you because now you know you, you. It takes a long time. You got to publish. You got to make your own little newspaper and start publishing all flyer. You got to have a flyer campaign and do all this. And it takes just physical time. But now, you just get everyone worked up over the viral whatever. But at least, at least yep. people would read back then. 
I think that is a it is an yeah. advantage. So if I, if if someone started a new newspaper and and uh, they're putting forward some new ideas, or even go all the way back to the Reformation and the theses being copied by the by the um, the but what's that the Gutenberg press press. Hunters. Yeah. Uh, so, yep. so, so that that now, now people can read it, and so at least they were digesting ideas. Now we just like, I don't know, we're just so manipulated by emotion and and impressions and headlines, and that's the depth of which we were willing to consume information. Says you, I'm not on social media. <laughs> you should. I you remember. Should, you should get off of the social media. I'm you not should, even on it. I'm just. I, I, <laughs> I remember when you repented. When, yeah, but look, when I you acknowledged quit. my foresight I, I, of yesteryear. <laughs> yeah, true enough. All right. All right. Hey, I got a buzzword for you. Okay. Oh wait, I don't have a buzzword. <laughs> All right, my buzzword for you is enlightenment. Okay. We'll get to the definition later. <laughs> okay. So I'm supposed to use your buzzword without knowing what it means? <laughs> you have to guess what it means. Okay. My if bu- you guess wrong, then... My theological Why? buzzword for you is mystery. Ah. So uh, this is fascinating. When we look at the scriptures, and uh, and especially in the Pauline epistles, he loves talking about how how he's been given the mystery. And what is the mystery? Well, the mystery is, I mean, so if we, if, we, if we do not have Christ or, in particular, God's revealed word to us, then what God thinks of us is completely unknown to us. And we'd, we'd be left to only surmise what God thinks of us by what we can, by what we can see. So you, you know, see the hurricane that hits, the flooding, the, I mean, just you're out in a walk and a lion ravage, ravaging a zebra, you know, because I, I go on walks in Africa a lot. Um, right. <laughs> you, you, you look know, around. That sounds like Oregon, actually. <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy. The, the, Remember that one time I was driving home from Oregon, and we had a flat tire out in the wilderness of this, like, thing. And I was t- I called, uh, when we finally got to the Walmart to get our tire fixed, I told Dad where we were in this preserve. He says, oh, yeah, last time we were there, I saw a mountain lion chasing a herd of wild donkeys there you go sheesh so so you would you would look at these things and think man god is not happy with us uh but the mystery made known is that uh god loves us because he sent his son to die for us and that he has poured out all the wrath that he would rightly pour out upon us for our sin he pours out upon his son jesus instead of us in our place uh, so that the mystery made known is that uh, God is at peace with us. And so that's this mystery that Paul is, uh, th- uh, he said that I rejoice in this suffering to proclaim this mystery. Uh, Colossians yeah. talks about that. So uh, that's mystery. I want to, I want to, it'll be interesting to put that next to enlightenment to see if that has anything to do with enlightenment or not. So, the buzzwords out of the way. We're going to be looking at 10 commandments in the news here on Table Talk Radio and then Bible Bee. So, you'll want to stay tuned for some of this episode, and we'll get after it right after this. How many Table Talk Radio listeners does it take to change a light bulb? 
you'll probably have to settle for one. Hey, daily devotions for your family. Around the Word is found at whatdoesthismean.org. Well, you wouldn't know what to think about the news if not for Table Talk Radio. Take me up to the news is a game where oh, is we... Is that what it is? Uh, yeah, I'm sure. This is where everyone's favorite news source, I bet. And we're right on top of it, too. People are like, sheesh. Yeah, I didn't know about World that three started. weeks you ago. You guys are talking about what? <laughs> yeah. I know. Uh, but we, we asked the question, what to, what which of the Evergreen commandments... Evergreen comment. That's what we're interested in. You know, we, we are... It never gets old. No, we, no, we nothing, are like nothing ever gets McDonald's old McDonald's chicken nuggets. <laughs> it doesn't age. That's, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> All right. Well, I got a, uh, a news article for you. I uh, came across okay. this when I was reading the fashion section in the New York Post. As you know, I read that section a hey. lot. Uh, headline says, really? AOC wears tax the rich dress to Met Gala. <laughs> says Congresswoman. How, what's the value of that dress, by the way? Is that on there? That ironic point mentioned in the article? We'll see. We'll find out. Uh, Congresswoman Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez is the face of the Democratic Socialists of America. Showed up to the glitzy Met Gala wearing a political message seemingly aimed at her fellow partygoers. Ocasio-Cortez wore a white gown by Brother Valley's with tax the rich in red letters splashed across the back and accessorized with matching slogan on her bag to the America-themed ball. The 31-year-old rep, who is the darling of the far left, could have found a more receptive audience to her satirical statement at the workers' rally. The Met Gala is an exclusive event, which is a parade of millionaire pop stars, wealthy actors, Trust fund society swans and members of the um, glitter gl- glitterat glitterati. I haven't heard glitterati. Of glitterati. It's new one. The on glitterati. Me. The glitterati. That's the uh, the fancy people. Okay. You know the beautiful people. Sure. The sure. glitterati. Sure. The uh, you know. Yeah. That whole culture there. Yeah, I'm well. well I'm I, well acquainted. You know, it's kind of a. It is a obviously. bit of a. Yeah. Oh. That's what they've been shouting at me. Oh. <laughs> uh, it says, indeed. Down with the glitterati. I thought they were complaining about all the, you know, the things falling from the sky whenever I walk around, the glitterati. It says, indeed, the, the anyway. Met Gala individual tickets were $35,000 and tables started at $200,000, the Post has learned. So that's the basic. There's this great irony of you, you know, you're go. How much was it? Thirty five thousand dollars for a ticket for a table? Yeah, for a t- no for a for a table is two hundred thousand dollars. As the kids say, Sheesh. I was busy that night. That's a. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. So there's some. How many? How many layers of irony? Are here well? People are pointing how out the many, irony. How but, many hundred dollars bills are in a stack of a thousand or whatever? I mean, I mean th- this is um. Well, people are pointing out the irony, something. but but she's doing it. I mean, she is she is bringing the message to those who she thinks needs to hear it. You know, 
So, yeah. Uh, I mean, if you want to, but, but the Babylon B article was, uh, AOC writes, tax the rich in smoking of her private jet. <laughs> yeah. That this, this, I mean, this kind uh, this constant, uh, hypocrisy, I think hypocrisy, irony, irony and hypocrisy are what they're the same dance move mm-hmm. just done with style right so i think it's probably hypocrisy but maybe it's just irony is the you know all the save the planet people are the biggest carbon things it has to do with the newsom recall they say you know he, he everyone's got to wear masks but but me schools are closed except for this one that i send my kids to so this idea of the two-tiered society they're the people who who follow the rules and the people who don't the vaccine mandates that congress is exempt from the the the, the government health care that congress doesn't can opt out of all, all this kind of you, you know you don't have to play by the rules because you're exceptional um uh, this is really something but so uh, I don't know. I, mean, I, 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 the, the I'm tax the rich business. I, I, I'm still, I don't know about that because I think that, I mean, AOC, I don't think is rich. I mean, she was a bartender and now she's served in Congress for, uh, what, two, two years or three years now. So, so she's enjoying a pretty healthy salary now, but uh, she's not, I mean, I don't, I don't think that she fits in the, she's probably not worth a million dollars. So, um, I think she's. I think she's basically by her message. I mean, not that I necessarily agree with the message, but I think what she's doing is not just being this great hypocrite. Like I'm a rich person, but we're saying let's tax the rich. I think she's sticking it to the people who are rich who are going to the gala. I think she's saying we want to tax you guys. Mm-hmm. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So I. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I I I definitely I, I resonate with the point that you're making about the hypocrisy. But in this case, I think she is an outsider coming in and saying, "Hey, we want to we want to tax the pants off of you guys," because I mean, really, AOC, as the article even said, is is kind of the face of a socialistic America. So. Rich shouldn't be rich. You you know, shame on the rich. How dare you be rich when other people are not rich? Well, why can't so? Here's the thing that I've never understood about this because there's this, you know, what's the opposite? Don't tax the rich. And I guess some people say, well, once you, once you reach a certain point, you have the means to avoid taxes. So, it's you know, there's always these things like Warren Buffett pays less in taxes than his secretary does, or all these kind of things. Which I, I don't know. I don't know if that's true or not, but it does seem like once you reach that. There's a point where you can sort of escape things. There's all the question of of corporate taxes. But why not? I mean, what is the problem with just saying, all right, everybody pitch in 10% of whatever you make, and that's it. That's all we're going to do. Or, I mean, just pick the number that you need. Pick, pick a number and just say, you, if you make if you make 10 bucks, then you owe us a buck. And if you make 100, it's 10. And you you make a million, it's whatever 10% of a million is, you know. Uh, and just flat right across the board. But the way you do it now is, you know, most people pay like nothing at all. And then once you get to a certain point, you're paying like half of your income in taxes. That just seems like it's not, it's not right. There's something immoral about having 
the 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 scale adjust like that and i and and i and i'm just not sure what the argument is like oh if you have that much money you don't you don't need it well who i where does the where where does the moral uh capacity for one person to determine how much another person needs come in that just does not seem like mhm I mean, there's dangers with riches. Of course there's dangers with riches. And, and as Christians who have a copy of the Bible, we recognize that. But and you so, know, I mean, so it's not like there's no there's no moral quality to, to money and the abundance it has. But what, what is the problem with the flat tax? Why, why can't we just do that thing? Well, um, you know one of the shows that I like on TV is Shark Tank. Do you ever watch that? Yeah, um, I like that show for some reason, but um, I think when I first watched that show years ago, that show's been on for like 11, 12 years. When I first watched that show, I, I immediately liked, liked it because it revealed to us that we need rich people <laughs> to create jobs in this in this country. So here you have these, I don't know, multi-million dollars, who knows what they're worth, and these hardworking Americans who had an idea for a product or a service and they want to grow their business, but they can't. They're maxed out on their capital or whatever. They need they need help getting to the next level. And so here comes this investor, pours in, who knows, $500,000 and gets, gets a certain equity stake in the company. And now they're able to grow their business, create more jobs and all this. So if it wasn't for the rich, those opportunities wouldn't have been made available. And I think part of the mm-hmm. part of the problem, a uh, problem, the, the situation of our of our current tax system is that um, it taxes different income activity differently. So someone who just has a job and pulls an in income, gets a paycheck, you know, a certain percentage comes out uh, for that. But people who are using their money for investment purposes, uh, that's taxed differently. So. Um, you know, the, the government has realized we can we can get people with money to use their money in a way that is advantageous for our country if we give them tax incentives. So if people are, you know, building apartment buildings, for example, they're going to get huge tax discounts because they're doing something that we need in our country. And I think that the reason uh, Warren Buffett pays less in taxes than his secretaries because he knows where to invest his money so that he doesn't have to pay taxes. But it's to the it's to right. the good of us all, right? I mean, we, we, we need pl- apartment buildings. We need jobs. We need those things. And so to to the, the rhetoric from the socialists that says we need to, you know, tax the rich isn't to suggest that the rich don't owe taxes, but it's that they're in they're putting their money in places where the government said we won't make you pay as much taxes if you put your money here and that's to the benefit of everyone but if you're taxing just the rich saying look you have to pay you know a higher a higher rate they're not going to put their money in those things and now the government's going to have to come in and and build those apartment buildings which will not be probably as good as they would be if done by a, a private uh, investor what do you think about that well, maybe I'll maybe I'll concede the point, but it it, it is a it, to make the point you have to then concede that taxes, no matter how they come, are a constraining force, and that's something that's difficult for I think for the progressive to recognize. Mm-hmm. We got to probably talk about more of this on the other side, I imagine. All right, let's do it. You're listening to Table Talk Radio. Don't go away. 
Table Talk Radio. The disaster continues. The Sunday Drive Home Grappling with the Text on the Theo Vlog. These are some of the playlists on the YouTube channel. Visit YouTube slash Wolfmuller1. Check it out there. Do you know I stopped using MailChimp for the... Good timing. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Did I tell you about that, the MailChimp thing? No. Tell, tell me about your email services. I, I, I wonder I wonder if the old uh, listeners want to hear about the MailChimp. I'm sure you they know do. know the Wednesday whatnot? Yeah, the Wednesday. Wednesday whatnot? Mm-hmm. Uh, so I send it out every, uh, every Wednesday about once a month. <laughs> if only Wednesdays were once a month, I would be right on time. <laughs> anyway, I switched over to this thing that all the cool guys are using, Substack, instead of the MailChimp. And you like it better? You know what I think the result is? No. I don't think anybody actually reads it. <laughs> don't you have stats on people? I guess you have stats on people who open it, and it doesn't mean they read it. it. That's what the MailChimp did. It would give you all these deep stats about who opened what, and you could figure out, you could stalk people on it. But the Substack does not have that as uh, that that detailed thing. It's harder. It's harder to be. Which I'm all right with. You know, I don't want to spy on. People. I was gonna say it's it's harder to be a, a creeper <laughs> without MailChimp. <laughs> All right, so we're talking about taxing yeah. taxing the rich as uh, as explained by AOC's dress at the gala. Uh, so um, you know, any we we can probably have a conversation about what method of taxation is best or not. You know, that's probably not the point. Um, but I I think from a from a from a Christian worldview perspective, from a Ten Commandments issue, um, we first of all want to recognize that uh, paying taxes is godly, right? Um, I mean, even Jesus himself says to render Caesar things that are Caesar's. Um, Romans thirteen tells paying taxes to you know, pay tax due taxes is due. So it's not the Christian's endeavor to rebel against the. Um, the taxes that we owe. But there's also something right. to be said um, that I think is insinuation. It's hard, it's hard to tell from just reading the three words in the back of AOC's dress, but I think the insinuation is that if we tax the rich more, then we can give that money uh, to those people who are, who, who, who are poor. And um, that enters into a, a new discussion that is beyond what I think the biblical worldview is, because I think the the biblical worldview in caring for the the weak and the poor was an act of charity, not an act of taxation. And those are two different things. There's a, I, I'm reading this, um, I got to go have lunch with this guy, Dr. Budashevsky, who teaches down at UT. Mm. And he was talking about the different idea, the two different ideas of charity. Here's one idea of charity is you need something, so I give it to you. And here's the other idea of charity. I see you need something, so I go get the get it from the person that has it and give it to you. Mm-hmm. And that is to radically different understanding of, of charity. But here's the problem. We were working on this in Worldwide Bible Class this morning. Remember Worldwide Bible Class? Yeah, yeah. Wolfmuther.co slash Bible. You should jump in sometime just to check it out, see how that goes. Okay. Uh, I know you're busy doing show prep normally mm-hmm. Wednesday morning. 
Uh, anyway, we were talking about this this morning is how there's some people who see everything as political. Everything is political. There's nothing pre-political. There's nothing post-political. There's nothing hyper-political above or below. Everything is political. And for the people that see everything as political, the, 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 they cannot see if there's a need, how it could possibly be met apart from the government. So this is part of the response that I mm. saw to, like, the Texas abortion law. Mm. Oh, well, now is Texas going to provide free adoption, free medical care for people who are pregnant, free all this other stuff, free social... It's a, well, there's no social uh, safety net for all these vulnerable people. And so now... Okay, so... there, there But there's two... That's, this is to, two totally different things. Like, can... Should we care for the children that are unwanted and born in a, a situation where they're not wanted? Yes, absolutely. Be, because there's it does it have to be taken care of by the government? No. There there's other places where help can uh, come from. Our well, help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth and there's the church and the family which are there. But right. if you have this everything is subsumed into politics, then you think if there's any help it has to come from the the, the government. That's all. And if you're against that, then you're against helping. Right. That's the I think that's the communication block that but, we have. But I think I think it can only come from the government now in the corner our society has painted itself in. And what I mean by that is that um and 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 so so the other two estates that would be more that would be more efficient at helping people and better positioned at helping people are also the estates that our society has sought to break down and ruin. So we, 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 we take down the family and then we, we despise the churches. No one goes to church anymore. And then we say, Hey, there's all these people in our society that need help. How do we get them help? Oh, well, let's get them help through the family. Oh wait, that doesn't exist anymore. Uh, well, maybe the churches right. can help them. Oh no, they're, they're too small. They're, they're too little. They can't really help anymore. Well, now the only estate that's left is the government. So I, I think that this, yep. this, this goes hand in hand to reject the institutions that God has given is to um, tr- have it, it resorts to fear, loving, and trusting in the government. Yep. I and, and it, hmm. not by accident. I mean, okay. The I uh, yeah yeah. There's a there's a there's a conspiracy here. We know there's a conspiracy because we know there's a devil who hates everything good, including the family and the church, and is going to be fighting against it and is going to be stoking the fires of political passions to the result of that that everything is understood in political terms or in whatever terms. Everything is subsumed under economic terms. Just one of the this is the temptation I think that Marxism puts before us is to understand everything in terms of economics or critical theory now which is to understand everything in terms of race everything gets subsumed into this sort of one monolithic category and you lose the hmm, you lose the balance that the lord has built into the estates and yeah so so all so those things are <laughs> are diminished at best and and destroyed at worst. So, so you need the family and the and the church to balance out the state. But if the family and the church are 
aren't there, then what do you what do you have? And then you say, well, that's pretty convenient for the state. And the answer is, yeah, well, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, so, we have so to pray that the Lord would. I mean, this is my always my prayer on Sunday is that the Lord would give the church the resources she needs to help and serve her neighbor, mm-hmm. so that it can be it can it can flip around, so that we can bless and serve people, so that this the necessity of the state stepping in is is the exception and not the rule. Uh, you know, it's the backstop, not the catcher. Right, right, yeah. Uh, I think about uh, Peter, where it talks about not do not weary in doing good. Um, so that you know, Christians were the ones who were who were actually helping people, and not just giving a handout, but actually helping people, <laughs> like really helping them in, in what they need. And that's a truth of both body and soul. Um, so, so the church's first work is to proclaim the forgiveness of sins, uh, in Christ and where, as you mentioned, having the resources where, where the church can help and individual Christians, not maybe, maybe not always the, the church itself, but Christians helping, you know, the neighbors around us. Um, but there's something I, I, and I've said this before in the air, but, um, there's there's a there's a shift in the mindset of the receiver when a person has no real obligation to offer their assistance but does and you think uh, I'm I'm really grateful for that um, maybe I want to hear what they're teaching in that place or whatever to the government writing a law saying those who meet this criteria are entitled to this particular you know assistance uh, now it's I'm not really receiving it you know, by anyone's grace or anyone's mercy, I'm receiving it by definition, entitlement, right? So, so the, the mm-hmm. mindset shift com- just completely changes for the, from the, from the receiver's perspective. Mm-hmm. So we have about a minute. So let's talk about 10 commandments with us. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, oh goodness. So the seventh commandment is the commandment that governs economics. It, it, it puts forth before the Christians, uh, the virtues, uh, the virtue of, of hard work and generosity. It rebukes laziness and theft uh, st- and stinginess in, in every way. Uh, it's interesting that when Luther takes up the seventh commandment in the large catechism, he mentions uh, the theft that happens through inflation, which is really curious. Also, uh, banking uh, that can hmm. get in there. So the whole economic system can steal away things from us so that we so that we we the seventh commandment lets us put our names on things this is mine and that's yours for the sake of the sixth commandment marriage and family and the fifth commandment life so it recognizes seventh commandment is a recognition that we are more than just spirits we have we have bodies and stomachs and things so that uh so that we are people of this world and we are not floating around so seventh commandment is the one at stake here okay well we need to get to some bible b after this huh we didn't even have time to mm. to hear your your story of the ten commandments in the news what do we miss I out didn't on even have one so oh, you didn't have one? Oh, good <laughs> excellent all right so after this uh 
Enlightenment-themed Bible Bee. I'm sure you won't want to miss out on this. Stay tuned to Table Talk Radio. I'm sure. Yeah. Earplugs not included. You're on Table Talk Radio. The daily Bible meditation blog is at rightlydividedbible.wordpress.com, where three chapters of the Bible are considered each day. Check it out. Cashing in 500 Table Talk Radio points for using the buzzword without Brian even noticing. Just slipped it in there like it was all part of the plan. All right, so... (laughs) It's not that hard. I'm really not paying that close of attention. (laughs) I shouldn't feel so happy about it. (laughs) That's like when you win win in a game, like, yeah, and the guy goes, I wasn't even trying. Oh... Yeah, I always say whenever the kids beat me at uh, at chess, oh. I'd say, "Aren't you glad I let you win?" <laughs> yep. All right, so we're gonna do this some. This is a new uh, thing Bible to trick beam. the kids into playing chess with me. Here's advanced parenting 101 because I want to play chess with the kids, and I say, "Okay, if you win, you don't have to help with the dishes." Nice. So I give them a way to get out of doing something if they play and, and win. They're like, well, I guess I got nothing to lose. I'm like, correct. Is that why you do the dishes so much? So. <laughs> That's why they help so much. <laughs> Boom. Oh. All right. Let's. Uh... The, way, the way in this uh, Bible we goes is I'm going to give you pr- probably the three rounds are going to be three verses. Well, actually, one verse, then three verses, then one verse. That's what I want to do this time. So I can't do one word clue because... <laughs> enlightenment. Uh... We're doing enlightenment, so... Yep. Okay, fair enough. So I got three verses. In fact, there are three times that the word enlightenment is used in the in the um, ESV. So that works out pretty good. Here's one. It is impossible in the case of those who have once been enlightened who have tasted the heavenly gift and have shared in the Holy Spirit and have tasted the goodness of the word of God and the powers of the age to come, and they have fallen away to restore them again to repentance, since they are crucifying once again the Son of God to their own harm and holding him up to contempt. Oh, okay, this is one of those difficult... That is a three-verse clue. Okay, this is one of those difficult passages of Scripture. So, uh, sounds mm-hmm. sounds a little bit like the New Testament. Um, mm. uh, this is uh, what gave that away. <laughs> well, the emphasis on uh, on Jesus crucified, so that's pretty good. Mm. Pretty good hint. Um, this is a going to be an epistle of some kind to be dealing with the question of what about those who have fallen away, uh, and I think this is a topic that comes up in the epistle to the Hebrews. So, final answer. You want to do double or nothing for chapter? I want to know if I'm right first. You're right. Okay, good. Hebrews. All right, yeah, I'll do no double or nothing. Uh, I think this okay. is going to appear in the book of Hebrews around chapter 6. You are right. Ha! <laughs> Double or nothing for the verse. (laughs) 
So if I name a verse, can it be with anywhere within that three verse range? Yep. Okay. Yep. yep. That's pretty good yep. odds. I'll do One that. One verse in the three. I'll do that. Okay. This is in verse eight. Wrong. <laughs> oh, this is verses four to six. Oh, I was so close. <laughs> you were close. That's a shame. Yeah, too bad. No points for that. Okay, law and or gospel on this one. Well, this is law. Uh, this is warning us to um, rebel against the Lord willingly with our sin, um, to say, uh, I'm going to take Jesus's forgiveness and use it for my own pleasures and sin and um expect him to uh to not care um about the the transgression that i do my rebellion against him and it's okay because well jesus in fact died for me so that this is a warning of law uh, i think the best response that i heard to this i mean how, what you know because people wonder does do these verses mean that you can't repent and come back to the church and that so that i think i think the best explanation is that what Paul, or whoever wrote Hebrews, but Paul is talking about here, is the same thing that Jesus was talking about with the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. So there's that the sin that cuts us off from the forgiveness of sins and receiving the Lord's uh, gifts of forgiveness. And here it's expounding w- what that exactly is. Mm-hmm. So I think that's right. Now, what do you think about... Okay, so listen to the, to the description of the Christian, though. Okay. So, it, and in fact, the other thing to note is how it talks about how it's impossible, uh-huh. the impossibility. So the impossibility is returning, but is it even possible for for this kind of degree of apostasy to happen? It's a bit of a question. But it says, for those who have once been enlightened, have tasted the heavenly gift, who have shared in the Holy Spirit, who have tasted the goodness of the Word of God and the power of the age to come. So that this is what the Christian is, the enlightened ones, the heavenly gift tasters, the Holy Spirit sharers, the goodness of the Word of God tasters. I mean, there's so much taste in this thing. They've tasted the power of the age to come. And this is really a a phenomenal description of what it means to be a Christian. Mm -hmm. There's a way that we can... You know, there's a way that we, because we talk about justification as the alien righteousness that's imputed to us, we we think that every gift is alien to us, that every gift is imputed to us. But it's justification that's imputed, but there are things that are that are truly given to us, that, that to taste the power of the age to come is part of what... Um, is part of what it means to be a Christian, and therefore to be enlightened, to know that the power, and this kind of hints at the next verse that we'll look at, that the that the power that raised Jesus from the dead is also at work in us. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. So, so I mean, it's, I mean, it's really phenomenal. So, th- this idea of enlightenment, then, is um, the, the, the bringing out of darkness into his marvelous light, so that apart from, yep. before, before conversion, we have, I mean, we have no light, we are, we're in darkness, but then to uh, to be given faith to believe these things is to be brought into that light. That's what enlightenment is, right? 
Mm-hmm. Okay, that's exactly right. I, I think the best way to think of enlightenment is in terms of repentance, to be mm. able to know the things mm. that are unknowable. And so the first thing is the depth of our own sin, and the second thing is the height of Christ's love. And then the third thing is the the new life that comes to us in Christ, the, the, um, so that the, the, the scales fall off our own eyes and we're able to see things truly as they are. This is, this is the biblical picture of enlighten, mm. enlightenment. In fact, that's what the next verse is going to talk about. You ready for this one? I'm ready. Now, this is actually uh, seven verses because it's one sentence. Okay. For this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which, you, to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe, according to the working of his great might, that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. Okay, so this is either um, in the New Testament or the intertestamental period. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, so New Testament, uh, again, sounds like a Pauline epistle. I'm, I'm sort of split between uh, Ephesians or Philippians, but... I know that in Philippians, there is this big theme about, um, and this is so true with all of Paul's epistles, though, the theme of, um, uh, you know, the writing kind of in this, this joy of the, of the saints at the church that as he, as he hears the reception of the gospel and the, and the growth of faith that continues after he leaves. Um, I'm going to go with Philippians. Philippians, you want to do double or nothing for the chapter? Chapter one. No, it's actually Ephesians chapter one. <laughs> Dang it. Close, though. You had it pinned down. It was a 50-50 coin flip. The eyes, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, so that you got heart eyes, apparently. You don't have known that until Paul told you. But you have you, this, the heart eyes see by hearing the gospel, see by hearing the word. And he says, the eyes of your heart can be opened, enlightened, filled with light. And he says, so that you may know the hope to which you've been called, the riches of the inheritance of the saints, and the greatness of his power. And that power is the same power that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand, far above rule and authority and power and dominion, above every name that is named in this age and the age to come. In other words, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead and put him over to rule over the demons as Lord of Lords, that power is also at work in us. And enlightenment is to, to see that. Hey, Brian. It's amazing. And it's given to us by the Spirit. We're out of time. Do you want to do a little extra innings just real briefly to finish Bible? Yeah, that'd be great. All right. So if you're yep, listening yep, on the radio, you need to go check us out at tabletalkradio.org and listen to the rest of this show. Uh, for the rest of you, thanks for listening to this edition of Table Talk Radio. Oh, I forgot my joke. <laughs> 
terrible. The points Thanks are like for listening to this edition of Table yeah, Talk Radio. Table Talk Radio is not for everyone. Please I had something. Pastor before listening to Table Talk Radio. Buzzword. Side effects mystery. Include nausea, vomiting, headache, heartburn, hair loss, hallucinations. I had something an hour ago about the mystery of imagery, psychosis, coma, death, halitosis, lung cancer, brain tumors, sleep pain, internal bleeding, bleeding internal combustion, a sudden terrible to turn vaccine, claustrophobia, an uncontrollable urge to find the capitalists on Twitter, and falling off the treadmill. More information, visit tabletalkradio.org. studying Ephesians 2, just haven't gotten that yet. All right, let's do it. Uh, round three. Or do you have anything more to say about this? Nope, let's go to the next one. Ready? All right, round three. Uh, how about this? This, uh, for it is impossible in the case of those who have once been enlightened, who have tasted the heavenly gift and shared the Holy Spirit. Wait a minute. Nope, that's the one I read before. I was going to say, that sounds familiar. Uh, here it is. Hebrews. <laughs> Here it is. But recall the former days when, after you were enlightened, you endured a hard struggle with suffering, sometimes being publicly exposed to reproach and affliction, sometimes being partners with those so treated. Ooh. Ah, uh, this is a tough one. I think you're trying to trick me. I think you're trying to trick me. What? <laughs> what? I would never. I remember when we were playing this, um, back when this was a baby show, and I would guess more on the psychology than on the hints from the Bible verse. Your psychology. Uh, I think this is also from the book of Hebrews. You're right. <laughs> Hebrews. Which you is, want to do a double or nothing which, for the chapter? Which, you got no points, by the way. Now I realize uh, why you accidentally read my last one twice, because you went back to that one. Mm. Ha. So mm-hmm. got, and now I do got you figured out. Now, chapter. So uh, I'm going to guess chapter 12. Close. Chapter 10. Recall the former days when, after you were enlightened, you endured a hard struggle with suffering. Can you imagine that? No, we should we should say, remember after you were baptized and you had to struggle? You when, remember when you were enlightened? <laughs> that the Christian is the one that is that has gone from blindness to sight, but the sight is not the sight of your eyes, your your head eyes, but your heart eyes, like Paul talks about. To see these profound truths that the world cannot see. Our sin. God's righteousness. That's it. That's the gospel enlightenment. And it causes suffering. There's suffering that follows that enlightenment. I, t- I just, I, I, maybe if nothing else, I want the Christians to say, to know that we are the enlightened ones. So all these people talking about being woke or being awake or being enlightened or all this red pill kind of talk, which is, hey, look, repentance is enlightenment. The Holy Spirit brings enlightenment. Th- this is what it means to be to belong to the Lord Jesus. It is a, it is a kind of fascinating irony that um, you know our, our fight is not against flesh and blood, so that the devil would get you to believe certain uh, mistruths and call it enlightenment, <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh, or as you as we well, this and the same thing with freedom, right? The devil does the same thing with freedom. So, 
do, do yeah. what you want. That's, That's right. freedom. That's when freedom. it's really slavery. Right? <laughs> so the devil calls freedom slavery. He calls ignorance enlightenment. He calls he calls death life. He calls good evil. Mm-hmm. But he he makes a. It's not like that's so obvious. He makes a compelling case for all of these things. Well, someone ought to call so him Gnosticism, a liar. Gnosticism. <laughs> you're right. A really good liar. I mean, that's what that, that's the root of Gnosticism is. We have the secret knowledge, but it's it's not. It, you you've you've embraced a lie. That's Gnosticism. So that it's it's Gnosticism. Gnosticism is to embrace as truth the fundamental error. What, that creation is wicked, or that God is not good, or that Jesus is not Lord, whatever. So so enlightenment is the, the opposite of that, to have our eyes open to the truth of, of what the Lord has for us in Christ. Hmm. Good deal. Well... That was, uh, that was a nice game. So so you got this. Um, what's, what's coming up about Enlightenment? You got a presentation? October 2nd. We got a conference, yep. Yeah, here right. at St. Paul at, uh, for the kids. You know, the kids. The kids. <laughs> 18 to 35. Does that count as the kids? Do you think I can call them the kids? Kids? Uh, kids, listen up. Kids? <laughs> listen, children. <laughs> I, I'll come. Do you need another speaker? I'll come and be like, Kids? <laughs> <laughs> I I, uh, That's right. I saw a comedian one time. I can't remember who it was, but um, you know, so the the millennial generation starts at like 1981 or in 82, and so I was born in 84, so I'm right on there too. But she's like, I feel like the the grandchildren of the millennial, the, the grandparent of the millennials, <laughs> children, <laughs> gather up. Let me t- let me explain to you. Anyway, all right. Uh, Let's remind you this sketch. The guy said, "Why why the uh, next generation are going to be terrible old people?" And they were talking about how when I visit my grandparents, it's like, "Here's a picture of your grandpa storming the beaches of Normandy." And when we're old, it's going to be like, "Here's a picture of your grandma's breakfast that she had." and Here's seven pictures of her standing in a mirror with the dress she didn't decided not to wear. <laughs> I always thought how you know swipe, you, swipe. you you uh, you go into a nursing home and they're not doing much, maybe watching TV. I always thought, you know, in future generations, nursing homes may be filled with like Xboxes or whatever the latest video games are. I mean, <laughs> you're gonna go to the nursing home, everybody's just playing video games. <laughs> That'll be that'll be interesting. <laughs> that'll be weird. <laughs> All right. Thanks now for listening. They're just watching episodes of Dr. Phil. Yeah, right. <laughs> All right, good show. Yep, take care.